All right, coming up on this episode of the Blue Rush Preview, the Giants are looking to bounce back after a disappointing and heartbreaking loss to the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. But put that away. 24-hour rule is in full effect. It's time to look ahead to the Bears. We're going to get to know our enemy with former Bears head coach Dave Wanstead, and we're going to set the edge with former Giant and two-time Super Bowl champ Jonathan Casillas. Speaking of two rings, joining me now is Lawrence Tynes and New York Post Giants beat writer Paul Schwartz. Guys, you're looking good. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that after that Monday night in energy, I mean, Big Blue, the stadium was rocking. I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't dampen the mood going into this game Sunday against the Bears. What do you guys think on that? Brandon, you know what? You can institute a 24-hour rule, but here at the Blue Rush Podcast, I like to think back to what my uh, kids used to say to me when they were little. You're not the boss of me. Brandon, <laughs> you're not the boss of me. No 24-hour rule. I'm in like in a five-year rule. I'm in a stupor about this offense. They scored what? 21, 19, 16 points this year, the first three games. Last year, 13, 29, 14 points. It is the offense. The defense is not great, but it's okay. Special teams with Graham Gano are great. Um, some lapses, but they're great with the kicker. Uh, the offense is far from great. It's bad. The passing game is terrible. So until further notice, until this team can figure out a way to score more than one touchdown a game, it is the offense that will hold this team back. It certainly is, Paul. And, you know, when Graham Gano is your best offensive weapon outside of Saquon Barkley, and he has been since he got here, that's a problem. He's the only guy that shows up every week, puts points on the board from, from long distance. That's a problem. Um, they don't have very good skill players. They continue to struggle to block. They're in trouble. Um, I think this this thing can go south real quick unless they come up with some sort of creative plan offensively to make it work. But they just don't have the horses to compete every Sunday offensively right now. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be coming in through that door anytime soon. But outside of Saquon Barkley, uh, no one on that offense scares you. Dang, and uh, usually you're the voice of reason, Tynes. And it's I want to I want to jump on that, and I want to be that guy that says like, no, the offense is going to have that breakout game. It's coming. It's we just haven't seen it yet, unfortunately. And I know everyone's talking about that Colin Coward tweet where he's saying that Daniel Jones is a is a is limiting Brian Dable's offense. The man's doing what he can. To be honest, the man's doing what he can. So I don't understand, like, how, if you guys are Brian Dable, you're Mike Kafka, like, where do you go with it? Like, how do you create something other than jet sweeps and, and running Saquon? Like, how do you create against these defenses? First of all, to, to you know, look, we're all going to do a little litmus test here every week with Daniel Jones, but to come out of left field and start saying, well, Daniel Jones isn't it, you know, they got to move on from him. I mean, it's just silly. It's just silly. It's three weeks into the season. They're not moving on from him. This is a, last I heard, it's a 17-game season. They're going to evaluate this guy. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, I've been critical of Giants quarterbacks, certainly, and I like Daniel a lot. As a guy, um, I'm not sure he's their answer at quarterback, but I feel I have no leg to stand on coming off that Monday night game and saying, man, what I saw, Daniel's not the guy. I mean, Eli Manning would have been sacked 10 times in that game. You know, Daniel did what he could. You know, his quarterback passer rating was, what, 57-something? He threw a late interception on a route where David Sills' receiver fell down. Daniel Jones, I don't know if he did everything he could, but he did plenty to try to help the Giants stay in that game and win that game, and everything was crashing and burning around him. This is an offensive problem, as Lawrence said. You know, right now, their receiver core is probably the worst group in the league. Let's face it. Until Kadarius Tony comes back, right Right now, he's a myth because he never plays. Kenny Galladay looks lost. Sterling Shepard. Look, we got to talk about Sterling Shepard for a few minutes, guys, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not a great player, but he's a good player. Yeah. And he is a great guy. And I mean, you know, you guys both played 
it's devastating. I mean, to see him crumble like that is just after what he went through with the Achilles. Does he have, does an athlete, how much, is there a breaking point and, and has he reached it? Yes. I mean, I, your heart goes out to him. He, like I said on, on the show on Sunday, he's a warrior. He embodies everything a Giants football player should be. And to see him go down like that on literally the last play of the game, uh, it breaks your heart because he's been through so much. He's been on a lot of really bad football teams and he's a good player. He's been a good player for a long time. He's not a superstar, but he's a good player. And you hate to see anyone get injured, especially a guy like him at the very, very last moments of a tough football game. It just, it stinks. Yeah, and when you talk about that breaking point, you wonder, because he had the smile on his face, and, you know, he I think that you, you smile to keep from crying, to be honest. You know, since 2016, yep. when I did that, started that Giants in-house doing the TV stuff with him, that was Shep's rookie year. And you just seen that man grow, not only just as a player, but just as a man outside the field. And like you said, times, like he embodies what it means to be a giant. So that once a giant, always a giant. If he could come back coach one day and all, because I don't, I just don't see you going after the game anymore because at a certain time you start feeling like the game doesn't love me. Like I'm giving everything I can. Like I'm, I'm away from my family. I'm doing this. My body's going through it. Why can't I catch a break? And, you know, to read his Instagram post today, how he was thanking all his family and friends. I mean, that you, you never want to see a, a player go through that, and especially a player like that. And what ticks me off and what's kind of getting to me now to go into the Kenny Holiday situation, you got one player going out that's giving his everything, that's, that's bled blue, that's gave his heart to the game, and then now you have another player that's getting paid more, that has a higher expectation, and you're just not getting anything from it, and I can't defend him to the fans anymore. I look stupid trying to defend this man to the fans anymore. Love the way he dresses. Love this highlight tape coming from, uh, from the Detroit Lions. Love everything about him. But now, here comes old yeah, moves. They're warranted too, Brandon. And as we do that, I think innately as former players, right, we want to think of the best in every player. And there's always a reason we know more than most people. But at some point, I'm the same way. I've defended him. I can't defend him anymore. And I'm not, it's not just because of the drop, right? It, the drop is the drop. Guys are going to drop passes. For me, it's more about why and what happened where you can't get on the football field for this football team that sucks at receiver. I shouldn't say that. It's a strong term. They're not very good. Why can you not get on the football field? You must be doing something throughout the week, as you know, that's not allowing you to get on the football field and earn this coaching staff's trust. Because, you know, you got guys like Sterling, you got guys like Richie James and David Sales busting their you-know-whats, and they're playing hard, but they are what they are. And he's not showing up. He's not coming to work. He's pouting a little bit. And then, oh, by the way, he goes out there in front of a national audience and drops a football. It just... You know, the, the mistakes just keep adding up for him. And, and obviously, he's 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 feeling a lot of heat from Giants Nation, and rightfully so. You know, I wonder, though, you know, because people in my position, often we write about attitude and, you know, practice habits and things like that. Uh, he was on the field for 24 snaps, okay, on offense. He had three targets. He had no catches. He had one 20-yard catch. It was called back by just a ridiculously bad offensive pass interference call on Sterling Shepard before he got hurt. So he would have had one catch that he made. He had the drop. I'm wondering a couple of things. Number one, is he just shot for some reason? You know, we can talk about he's got a bad attitude. Uh, we're tired of defending him. Maybe his lower half is just shot. He had a hip injury in Detroit. Uh, he's been banged up. He had some kind of procedure in the offseason, Joe Shane said. You know, I saw him every day in training camp. He just did not look like he had much oomph. Much So maybe it's just like instead of thinking what's wrong with his head, 
maybe it's what's wrong with, you know, waist down. Maybe he just doesn't look explosive or have it. And furthermore, is this a symptom of a much larger problem here? I mean, Darius Slayton was on the field for 14 snaps. He had no targets. I mean, the, the, it's not like the passing attack is doing well, but Kenny Galladay is holding him back. The passing attack is doing very poorly, so maybe it's a lot of things. Pass rush, uh, Daniel not seeing some things. You know, I'm not defending Kenny Galladay, but I just look at him and think maybe it's less attitude and more just physically, for whatever reason, at 28 years old, he just doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, I think that might be that thing. It may be that point, Paul, where it's like, I got my money. I'm not going, I'll do this one more year. Kind of like a Nate Solder thing. I got a good, well, his, his attitude he's, he's, you're, you're talking again about attitude. He may just not have it. You know, Hakeem Nix dropped off the face of the earth physically, yeah. right? He just was a great player, much better than Kenny Galladay ever was. And then he got some injuries. He ran down a field in Tampa and, and, and messed up his legs. And he never was the same. So we can talk about well, attitude and intensity. He just yeah. wasn't the same. It's a bad signing, right? Like he he only played yes. in five games a year prior to, to Dave Gettleman giving him $72 million. That's a huge commitment for a guy who had maybe one or 2,000-yard seasons and who was a third or fourth-round pick, Kenny Galladay. So it's been bad from the get-go. And I don't know what the remedy is. I don't think anyone knows what the remedy is. But I would put him on the field. Uh, you have to at this point. I agree. You got to put him on the field because, you know, I don't, you know, he doesn't need 70 snaps, but I don't think you bury him now anyway. Play him. You know, look, it's three games into the season. It's not week 14 or 15 where you're saying, let's look in for next year. You just got to give him some snaps every week. Maybe he can make a play because, you know, quite frankly, who behind him is going to come on the field and light it up? Guys, make a point there. All right, let's talk about the offensive line. Five sacks allowed. Paul, you. uh... You had to chuckle. To go ahead, start us off with that. Are they ready for Chicago? Well, they weren't ready for the Cowboys. Um, the one thing I will say is that Evan Neal, I, you know, after four games of his rookie year, Andrew Thomas was 58th in the league as an offensive lineman. Okay, after three games of his career, Evan Neal is 69th in the league as an offensive lineman. Uh, after four games, Andrew Thomas had given up three sacks and 19 pressures. And we were saying he is the worst of the four first round offensive linemen that were taken up high in the draft, right? Everyone's saying no question the Giants got it wrong. After three games, Evan Neal has given up four sacks and 10 pressures. So I would hold the fort as far as saying Evan Neal is a disaster. He was really bad in this game against the Cowboys. He was ticked off. He will learn from it. He will be better. And, oh, by the way, Demarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons are damn good players. So um, as far as the offensive line, yes, I have, you know, I mean, Michael Parsons blew up Mike Lewinsky on one play, just literally, you know, lifted him off his feet. We thought the offensive line would be better, maybe a lot better. They're certainly not a lot better. I think they're better. That was a really bad game. Yeah. He just had a bad game. Overall, you're going to get baptized sometimes by some of these premier pass rushers in the NFL. He's an unbelievable run blocker. So he will figure out the passing part. This is not the SEC anymore. He's not Alabama. I think he understands that. And by everything you hear coming out of that that practice facility and that team, they love him. He works hard. He's talented. Evan Neal's going to be fine. And and I tweeted this earlier today. He's the least of the Giants' worries on that offensive line. I mean, I think the interior struggles more than the than the tackles do, obviously. And that's what they need to fix. But They have been better overall. I am not as worried about the offensive line as maybe some people are. They just had a bad game, and sometimes you have bad games. And and Dallas's front 
is going to do that to a lot of people because they just rotate guys in. I mean, they've got four or five guys that can get after the passer. So offensive line, not not a huge issue for me unless it continues. But they've been okay through three games. Just to give some numbers to you guys, uh, PFF had them graded as the 29th overall pass blocking efficiency. They're tied for fifth on total pressures allowed with 39 and top five in sacks surrendered and hurried. But again, I think that's something that they kind of – nip in the bud and, and, and try not to get into yep. too many passing situations and continue to give Saquon extra carries. He only carried the ball 14 times against yep. Dallas. I want to move on to talk about Roquan Smith because that's a guy we're going to have to put a body on. It's Roquan versus Saquon, and I spoke with <laughs> former Giants linebacker Jonathan Casillas about that matchup in both teams' front seven. We're talking all defense this segment, so I have a mic mic'd up former Mike linebacker and two-time Super Bowl champ. Jonathan Casillas is here to break down both the Giants and the Bears front seven. Bro, I see you with the linebacker performance showing the people we were linebacker for real in real life, man, not just bad. No <laughs> doubt, bro, all the time, baby. Even at PT, I'm at PT right now. I'm in the back. You know, I they- tore my Achilles, so I'm in the back hiding in the, in the meeting room trying to had this nice little interview with my boy Brandon. The things the game does to us even after we get off the field. But let's take you back on the field. Because let's say you're Chicago linebacker Roquan Smith. You're the leader of that Bears defense. You got 36 total tackles on the year. But that run defense can't stop nobody. If you're him, what are you telling your defense when it comes to stopping Saquon? Well, first off, it always starts up front. You know, those, those big boys up front, those D linemen. You know, from end to end, the, t- the tackles in the middle, uh, even the outside linebackers, whoever's setting the edge on the outside. It all starts up front, setting that physical presence, moving the old linemen back, kicking them back, and then getting after them also in the pass game as well. But number one, you got to stay gap assigned football. It has to be gap assigned football. You get the physical push up front, that enables the linebackers to come downhill and hit their gaps, and everybody has to be gap assigned. And then last but not least, you got to tackle. Saquon, he can make guys miss. You got to be able to tackle this man. And the way you tackle him is volume at the ball. Everybody gets to the ball. Don't let receivers block you on the outside. You got to get off those little receivers blocking you. And you got to get to the ball. Population around the ball and good things that happen for our defense. Me, you know, being Chicago Bears. But yeah, yeah. I like how you're in character. You're Juilliard trained. I love it. You're a method actor. I love it. So let's flip it because the Giants got Aziz and Kayvon Thibodeau back. But they're really, like you said, that when you talk about that interior pressure, they're missing big cat Leonard Williams in that inside. So for you, how would that change your style and affect you as a linebacker? Well, look, everybody has to do their job, you know. So whoever's coming in, Dexter Lawrence, you know, actually playing in uh, for Leonard Williams in his particular uh, specific spot that he's in, especially on first and second down on these rundowns, you know, you trust him to do his job as well. But everybody has a little bit different technique and how they play plays. So you have to learn who you're playing with so you can play off of them and then help them do their job better as well. Look, you know, those in, those guys that came back, uh, Aziz and Kayvon, they come back from injury. Look, when whenever you come back, you're 100%, you get cleared, but you're never really like fully healed during the season. So 
those guys, I don't expect them to take the full workload, you know, especially early on last game and in this game, expect them to get rotated in. And as the season gets, you know, goes through, hopefully their injuries can get better and they can feel more confident as the season grows and we can see them being real pinnacles in the Giants' defense. So it's all about depth. Those depth is going to have to come in, step in and play as a starter. All right, let's talk about Justin Fields and this Bears offense, man. They've struggled so much. But Khalil Herbert ran for a buck 57 and two tugs last week. So Wink Martindale might come into this game trying to focus on stopping the run. If you're Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze, how do you counter and catch the Giants slipping if they are trying to stack eight in the box to try and stop the run? Well, this is a perfect opportunity for Justin Fields to actually, you know, have some opportunities in the passing game because of a heavy box. You know, they're going to try to get nine to 10 to 11 guys in the box at all times just to be able to contain this run game because they know Justin Fields, he can't really stretch the field. You know, he's not picking anybody apart. You know, plainly to say it, he's struggling in the passing game. But, you know, for the Chicago Bears, you, you could be op- opportunistic about the opportunities that you're going to get on third down, on second down, you know, and, and possibly having some, you know, advantages, taking advantage of the Giants' heavy box-loaded defense to stop this run game, which is, you know, a serious run game. The Giants also have a serious run game as well. All right, thanks for that, JC. All right, guys, he made a point where he said that the Giants could get exposed trying to stop the run where we talk about taking the, the confidence away from Justin Fields. And last week we said we couldn't have Cooper Rush with any type of confidence. So we'll start with the defensive matchups. How do you stop Justin Fields? Walk on the field. How about that? <laughs> you know, um, wear your, your shoulder pads, wear your helmets. You know, don't get arrested on the way in. Um, put 11 men on the field every snap, right? Look, the Bears have attempted 45 passes this year. 45. That's like Patrick Mahomes on just some Sunday afternoon in Kansas City. 45 passes. He's completing slightly more than half his passes. So you load up to stop the run in this game. And if Justin Field beats you through the air, look, you still pressure the quarterback. You still, you know, defend against their receivers. But, um, you know, Justin Fields has run the ball and hasn't even run that well this year. So, look, this is not the get well week for Justin Fields, I don't think. Uh, you pressure him. You have two edge rushers. We'll talk about that in a minute, I guess, who got their indoctrination this year after missing the first two games. They should be better. Don't give him the easy, obvious throws, and you can beat Justin Fields. He is not a NFL caliber passer right now. Yeah, they have some shocking offensive statistics. 297 yards passing in today's day and age of football. 297 yards through three games. Their leading receiver is David Montgomery with five receptions. Their leading receiver yardage-wise, he's got a cool name, Equinemio, St. Brown, has 77 yards receiving, guys. This team stinks. The Chicago Bears offensively stink. They're no good. They are not a good football team offensively. I expect the Giants defense to, to dominate, and this could be the coming out party on that side of the ball to get our first interception and build on these three sacks. I can't believe... In a Wink Martindale offense, we only have three sacks this season, but those are the numbers. I've watched the tape. Guys, the Chicago Bears are terrible on offense. I mean, when you think about that number, 297 yards passing through three weeks, and I, I'll give them a pass even on week one with the monsoon. So even through two games, that that's, that's not good. Last week, eight for 17, 106 yards, two INTs. He's only thrown mm. two touchdowns, 
four INTs this year. When you look at this offense, it kind of mirrors the Giants' offense. If you match it up, it Daniel, jo- Daniel Jones is better than Justin Fields. Running back-wise, they both are, are top five in, in rushing offense. Offensive line, they both gave up five sacks last week. So going into this game, I'm, I'm stacked. If I'm weak, I'm stacking the box. I'm playing man-to-man on the outside, single high, may even bring McKinney down. Instead of having your feet at 18 to 22, yep. I'm bringing you down to 12 to 10. Come run the alley, stop these running backs. And Montgomery, David Montgomery might not even play this week. So it's all about stopping Khalil Herbert, who has 240 yards rushing and three touchdowns this year. But I'm, I have zero respect for the Chicago Bears offense. Yes. He had a great game last week, this Herbert yeah. kid. He had 20 yeah. carries, 157 yards. This is the NFL's version of Army versus Navy. <laughs> We're just going to line up, triple option, run the football. Nobody has any wideouts or any skill players on the outside and play football on Sunday. How about this, okay? The Giants are 30th in passing in the league, right? The Bears are 32nd. We spent mm-hmm. 10 minutes talking about the Giants' Very, very poor passing attack, right? They don't have any wide receivers. Sterling Shepard's out. Uh, They have no time to throw. The Giants are averaging 162 yards a game in the air. That is really bad. That is double what the Bears are averaging. They're averaging 78 yards passing. It's a shocking number. This is wing T, triple option, you know, 1970s throwback. We don't throw the ball. And yet they won last week. Look, the Texans are no good. They beat them 23-20. We, we, last week, we talked about how Justin Fields was awful last week, and he was the winning quarterback. He gets a W next to his name. So, you know, shame on the Giants if they, they can't dictate some of the pace here. Get ahead. I'm not saying get ahead 21-0. Get ahead enough so in the second quarter, in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, the Bears just can't run the ball and punt and run the ball and punt. Make them play from behind. You're playing at MetLife Stadium. The play should still be fairly loud. It should be nice weather. You have to – this is a game – you know, you respect everybody. The Giants are far from world beaters. We know that. I think the Giants are better than the Bears. They should be able to handle the Bears. And I really think one week in with Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau getting their indoctrination, right? They were rusty. They're both coming off injuries. Uh, They were very low impact in their first games back. Um, Ojolari, especially to me, looked really a little out of sorts, uh, dropping in coverage and things like that. Don't you expect they will be appreciably better this game? They have to be. I mean, I think this is the game that they both get double, I don't want to say double digit sacks. They both get uh, their first sacks of the year. And I can even say two sacks each because if you, like you said, if you can stop that run, you can get them, the Bears offense, in some third and long, third and seven plus situations. It's right there for the taking. I mean, they have no confidence in Justin Fields. Last week, they ran the ball on a third and 17, a third and 10, and a third and six. But I think this week, they're going to try and open up that offense a little bit more. That's what they've been saying throughout the week on trying to get the ball down the field, but I just don't have that confidence. So this could be that game, that coming out party for for uh, Kayvon Thibodeau for sure and for Aziz to kind of get their numbers and get back because people are already, and I know it's social media and everyone thinks that they're, they're GM on social media, already trying to call this guy Kayvon Thibodeau a bus just off of <laughs> uh, having one tackle and a pass breakup. It's just out of control. It's, it's out of control right now. So this could be that stat game defensively for those guys. Yeah, they should add, certainly add some sacks to their 
their statistics this this week against a very, very bad Chicago Bears offensive football team. The strength of the Bears is defensively. They're pretty good. Robert Quinn on the D-line. They've got Roquan Smith, you mentioned. And then the secondary is pretty good. But I still feel like this is a team that, quite frankly, might be one of the worst two-on-one teams I've ever seen. I have no idea how they're two-on-one outside of the monsoon game, and they beat the Niners. So Davis Mills threw a really bad pick at the end of the game last last week to give them great field position to kick the field goal to win the game. So you're right. You know, I, I expect Kayvon, Aziz, anyone with a defensive on the defensive side of the ball to get after it this week and, and, and start making some big plays. Hey, one of these teams is going to be three and one after four weeks, right? Unless we have a tie, which is unlikely. Yep. One, you know, when the Giants were two and zero, oh, a lot of people around the league you heard were saying that they're an awful team. Uh, you know, they'll come back to earth. They beat the Cowboys. They lose their what eleven straight in prime time. Okay, the Bears are two and one. One of these teams is going to be three and one, and no matter what we think about the Bears or the Giants, one of them is going to be three and one. And at three and one, you are feeling good about yourselves, and you are putting together yep. something for a season here. So. It's, it's very important. Look, after this, the Giants go to London to play the Packers. That's just a funky deal. The Packers have never played in London. Um, it's going to be a weird game. And, you know, who knows what's going to feel like in London, that kind of thing. You know, the Packers have a big following. So the Giants. So it behooves the Giants to attend to business, figure out a way to win this game. And you're three and one flying to London. You're feeling pretty good. It's like two and one in the NFL is like oh and oh. It feels like it feels like everybody in the NFL is two and oh. Mm-hmm. But talking from this matchup, we've all we've talked from a Giants perspective. So let's hear from former Bears head coach and NBC Sports Chicago analyst Dave Weinstead to give a Bears perspective. So you know what time it is. It's time for Know Your Enemy. You know him from his days as head coach of the Dolphins and the Bears, and he's currently an analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. We have Coach Dave Weinstead. Now Coach, I know you're media now, but as a former player, you're always a coach to us. You know, I, I say it out of respect. All right, so let's break down this uh, battle of two-on-one teams from the Bears' perspective. And let's start with the Bears having a second-ranked rushing offense in the league. So I know you watched that Monday night game against the Cowboys and how they had some success on the ground. How would you attack the Giants' rush defense? Well, to be honest with you, Brandon, uh, you know, the Bears, as you said, I mean, they they have run the ball successfully from the first game all the way through. And I, I you know, knowing those guys, having been up the training camp, I mean, this is the foundation that they wanted to start with. You know, they got some young offensive linemen. They've got some new offensive linemen. They've got a new offensive system with Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator coming in from Green Bay, new head coach, Matt Eberflus. So the, the starting point is the run game. And they've been successful with that, probably more than anybody in the NFL in Chicago thought they would be. So now it's time to take that next step. And I think, you know, the Giants, the Cowboys ran the ball. I mean, they're not going to back away from this thing uh, this week as far as running the ball, because I think the, the, the running is going to set up the pass. And that's the big thing right now that, that the Bears are lacking or some big pass plays. But it's set up perfectly in my mind because now they have a good foundation of, hey, if I'm the Giants defensive coordinator, I am definitely saying, guys, we better stop the run. And that's what you want. To get some big pass plays, you got to be able to make a commitment to the running game. Yeah, the Bears had that two-headed monster of Herbert and Montgomery. I mean, I like it or compare them to the two-headed monster with the Cowboys. Pollard and Zeke yeah. Elliott, who were able to run for 176 yards. All right, Coach, let's Riverside it. The Giants' run game is the strength of their offense, and the Bears are second worst 
in the NFL and stopping the run. Schematically, how do they stop Saquon? Well, you know, I was surprised. I expected Green Bay, you know, with Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. Those guys are premier, you know, running backs. I expected them to run the ball some on the Bears. Last week kind of disappointed me. When the Houston Texans lined up and they pounded the ball successfully, that bothered me a little bit. And now we're facing Saquon Barkley, as you said. You know, the thing that the Giants, I was shocked on Monday night that I was looking at the number of carries that Saquon had. And I thought, you know, I think would he have 10, 15 carries, maybe 15 in, in the whole first half or the whole game. I, I don't have the exact number, whatever it was, in my opinion. And, you know, I've always believed in the run. I would have given him the ball a lot more earlier in the game. I mean, he's the, he's the best player they got on their offense, and he's playing that way now. You got to find ways to, you got to give him the ball. And, and I've had some great, you know, LaShawn McCoy, Ricky Williams, Emmett Smith. I've been around some great backs. They need the football. So basically, what you're saying, fantasy owners, make sure that you start Saquon this week because he should get the ball a ton. He only carried the ball for a total of 14 times uh, last game against go. the Cowboys. All right, let's move on because we know this is a QB driven league. We're talking about two of the most talked about quarterbacks in the league. And I don't even know if that's a good thing. Justin Fields and Daniel Jones, who has the edge coming into this game and who has the most to prove? Well, you know, anytime you got a young quarterback like Justin, you know, he's and playing on the road, you know, and I played up there in, in Giants country a bunch, you know, over the years, all the places I've coached. It's not an easy place to play. So Justin's going to have to deal with that. He was disappointed in his play last week. He had a few throws that he he admittedly after the game said, hey, I, I had throws and I didn't make them. So I think he's going to bounce back. I mean, Daniel Jones is the guy. I don't think Justin Fields is playing this season, particularly this week for his job, where I think Daniel Jones probably is just for the fact that he's been there three, four years now and you know, he got a new offensive system at least one time with coordinators and nothing has really seemed to change. So I, I think Daniel Jones is the guy that has to step up and play big this week. All right. Thanks, coach, for that. Fellas, we've done our breakdowns. We've heard from coach. We got all the intel to break this game down. It's time to put it to use on this week's show predictions. You know how it goes. Give me the over under and why. Justin Fields passing 122 yards. Absolutely way under. The Bears' offense stinks. And I, that's my only reason. I don't have another reason except I watched the film. I have no idea what the hell they're doing. It looks like I, the wing T offense, they only want to run the football. Giants get after him all day long. He is going to be under that number again. 122? I'm going over. And I know the numbers say he does not do that. 122 is prehistoric, okay? So you complete a couple of passes. You know what? Maybe the Bears actually might be losing late in this game. They may have to throw. The Giants may give up some yards in exchange for, um, you know, time and things like that. Little dink, dunk, Cole Komet, this guy, that guy. Um, All of a sudden they get 10, 15, 20, 30 yards. I'm going over 122, 123. How about that? Real quick on that, Cole Komet. He has two catches all season long. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. I'm going to go under with you, uh, Tynes. I'm, I watched Justin Fields throw last week. He was mm. awful, overthrowing receivers. He just what he's, he's, he doesn't look like that guy right now. Bears rushing 190 yards. Go. Way under, Brandon. No way are the Giants going to give up that many yards in back-to-back weeks. 
there's professional pride in the NFL locker room. As you know, the guys will stick to the details this week. No way. Under 190. Well, last time I checked, uh, Walter Payton or Gail Sayers are not playing for the Bears, correct? That we, we, We've established that. So I think under also. Look, Leonard Williams, Giants, they miss you. They miss you big time, especially right. as, a, as a run tackler, run blocker. You know, uh, they miss him badly. But um, um, 190 is a big number. And I agree. I think um, they'll button up some of those holes. They will uh, not give up 190 rushing yards. Yeah, I'm going to say under as well. I think Wink is going to stack the box. Just play straight man on the outside. Throw the ball. Make Justin Fields throw the ball. So definitely under. All right, let's flip it over to the Giants. A Giants receiver. (sighs) I feel ashamed of putting it here, but a Giants receiver, 60 yards over under. Man, this is a tough one. I'm going to say yes. I have no idea who the hell it's going to be. But please, some Giants receiver have over 60 yards this week. Okay, we've come to pleading now, huh? That's what I am. That's where I'm at, Paul. That's that's great. Well, um, Wandale Robinson, the rookie, is probably not going to play. I don't think Kadarius Toney with the hamstring is going to play, so that's an issue. We know Sterling Shepard, God bless him, is out. So I don't know who the name is either. You know what? How about this? Darius Slayton. He'll catch a 40-yard pass. How about oh. that? Run, run down the field and catch the ball. He got is he some, still in your thunder? He, he, he got some, you know, some run last week. Didn't get the ball thrown to him. Uh, I say, yes, somebody will get 60 yards. Um, you know, uh, you know what? Probably Amani. Amani Toomer will probably get. He'll catch a couple <laughs> of passes. Amani's three coming passes. back. Yeah, three passes for 65 yards for Amani. Izzy, yeah. he might be busy doing the Giants postgame show, but yeah, you, you can put that You can put that 81 jersey on him. But I, I'm going with you on this one over, Paul, because I think it's Darius Slayton week. You know, the NFL was all about a comeback story. Last week, he had one. He ran that deep post off that play action. Daniel Jones had to bring it down. That could have been his time for redemption on Monday Night Football. Now's now's that time. Now's that time, especially when you got guys hurt and you got another receiver in the doghouse. Now's your time to be like, you forgot about me? So, yeah, I'm going under on that one. All right, most sacks. Bears or the Giants? Both offensive lines gave up five sacks last week. Who, got, who gets more? The Giants only have three all year. They need to have a coming out party against a really bad offensive football team. Two young fifth-round pick tackles. Uh, I think the Giants will have more sacks this game than the Chicago Bears. Yeah, this is not a, a, um, a game featuring a collection of great offensive lines here, certainly. I think, though, until, until the Giants show me they can sack and they can stop the sacks, I'm going to say the Bears will have more sacks. You know, Daniel Jones... Holds the ball a little bit. He's he's really good at running the ball, maybe too much at times. Uh, but I think the Bears will have more sacks than the Giants when this game is over. Agreed. We didn't even talk about Robert Quinn a lot on uh, t- on today's yep. episode. That guy is still a dog. That's why that's why you're able to ship a Khalil Mack out of there because they're saying, hey, we got ourselves a premier edge rusher as well. So yeah, I think it's going to go to the uh, Bears on this one. Last but not least, Daniel Jones. Two passing touchdowns over under. I'm going to say under because, quite frankly, we just don't have the guys to do it. I think this becomes a running game late, and Saquon Barkley has a field day running the football. They, they can be ran on, so I would, I'm going to say under two touchdown passes for Daniel. I'm going to say under as well because it's either three or one, right? Two is uh, an even. Now, three is a lot. Three's asking a lot for this offense right now. You know, yeah. maybe they threw it to Myrick or uh, one of Bellinger. the other tight ends, you know, uh, Hunter or uh, Bellinger. You know, maybe they get a short touchdown, but, um, you know, wide receiver scoring touchdowns just is like a myth right now with this 
this team. So I'll say under, you know, maybe they can prove me wrong, but, you know, let them get over 250 passing yards before they get all these touchdowns. And that's my fault when I set the over under. You can tell I haven't been to Vegas in a long time because you're supposed to yeah. set it at 1.5 yes, to be over yes. under. That's me. That's I'm kicking yeah. myself in the foot for that. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say over because I Ooh. think the run game is going to get okay. them down there. Like you say, Myrick, Bellinger, Bellinger graded out as the top rookie tight end. I know there's not that many rookie tight ends out there, but the guy's got some hands. And I think when you're talking about trying to get in that end zone, give him the ball. Let's see. Why not? I mean, hey, can, can you get in the end zone? So before we wrap this episode up, you guys got any final thoughts? Let me get your final thoughts. I got one. You know, last year, the, the Giants, and there's a lot of players still on this roster, went to Chicago and got absolutely embarrassed 29-3. to They need to think about that, return the favor. I know it's a little bit of a different regime on both sides of the ball, but the skill players that matter were on that team last year. Mike Glennon had one of the worst games in pro football history at the quarterback position. The Giants are not going to forget that. The Giants returned the favor and beat them on Sunday, 29-3. to Ooh, Paul. 29-3. Wow, was that two defensive touchdowns for the Giants? A little Xavier. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. However the hell they can get them, they're going to get them. Little Xavier McKinney pick six and a uh, sure. Avon Thibodeau. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Score. How about that? Yeah, you know? yeah, we don't have a pick yet. We need to get a pick six. We need to get a pick. Yeah, look, I'm looking forward to Kayvon Thibodeau's first big play, right? Because he is a big personality, and it'll be very interesting to see what he does if he makes one of those big plays. My last thought is: look, after two games, we shouldn't have thought the Giants were anything much different than what we thought they were before those two games and after they lose on Monday Night Football to the Cowboys. I don't think you should start to do a course correction and say, okay, now they're no good. We know, I think we know what the Giants are sort of, right? And um, having said that, if they are in great position to go three and one, and if they do, God bless them. It is a great start for Brian Dable. I don't care if they win 17 to three. I don't care if they win whatever Tynes pick 29 to three, whatever they do, big score, small score. Um, it's about wins and losses. It's not style points. We know it's not a great team. If they're three and one after four games, it's going to be a lot of fun in October. And that's all we do month to month, week to week with this team, you know, and they should, they really should, you know, and, and it's hard for me to say the Giants should beat anybody, but I think they should beat the Bears. Yeah. My, I mean, my quick final thought is Daniel Jones, go ball, you know, play above the X's and O's. You're learning this offense. You're showing that you're comfortable with it within this offense. You got to get comfortable with that offensive line. They got to help you out. But if Daniel Jones can come and pull this win off and make his receivers look better than what they look like on paper right now, you're getting closer and closer to that 20 mil. So we're going to wrap up this episode. I want to thank you all for listening and watching this episode of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. We need you to subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports and SNY's YouTube page to see all videos from Blue Rush. New episodes of the show drop on Monday mornings following Giants games and Thursdays previewing the game ahead. We'll talk to you guys first thing Monday morning for following the Giants game on Sunday. And once again, thank you for your support of Blue Rush.